Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, hey, what's up, Antioch family? It's so good to have you uh, with us. And, and I just want to start probably the same way that I've started for the past nine weeks. Like, I just miss everybody, man. Like, I want us to be back together again and be able to worship together and just to see your faces. Has anybody else been feeling like that vibe where you're like, man, something's missing? And then you realize like, oh, yeah, it's people. You know, like, like I, I just, like, I'm, I'm missing people, and I'm so glad uh, that you're taking some time to be with us uh, today, because I, I really believe that, that what God is leading us into over these next few weeks is very timely for us, as we're going to be starting a new series of talks uh, that we're calling Reentry. Now, some of you guys know this, but like I, I love space. I love space travel. I don't know that much about it, but if there's a movie, uh, I've probably seen it. If there's a book, I've probably read it. But there's this moment that happens on every space flight. And, and, and what happens is the spacecraft is making its way back into the Earth's atmosphere. And this thing happens called atmospheric entry. And at that moment, the kinetic energy that's happening is off the charts as the spacecraft is encountering the Earth's gravitational pull. And the result of all that friction is literally fire. Like it looks like a fireball that is falling out of the sky. And what's amazing about reentry is that if you come in too shallow, then you literally just skip off the Earth's atmosphere. But if you come in too steep, you ultimately would just burn up and die. And so the re-entry calculations have to be precise. And so these, these pilots that fly these spacecraft have all of these gauges and instruments and equations that help them make good re-entry decisions. And as I've been praying for us, I just couldn't get past that God was just like blinking light scripture of 1 Corinthians 13, 13 that says, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And what I believe is that God is giving us these three things, faith, hope, and love for us to focus on as we find ourselves in a season of reentry. We're to use them like a pilot would use their gauges to make sure that they're on the right course. They're, they're like checkpoints for us along the way. Like, is this thought, or are my words, is my heart filled with faith? Like, does every area of my life glisten with Hope and and, and 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 am I loving everybody around me well? I mean, the, these three things: faith, hope, and love. They're, they're to serve as instruments that will get us where we need to go through the friction of making our way back. And let's just be real: like, yeah, friction is happening. There is. And maybe some of us are already experiencing some of this friction of reentry, like a true confession, like I'm an introvert. So there's aspects of this crisis that's felt like I've been preparing for this for my whole life, like just 
being by myself and being told not to leave my house and like just to see my family. Like there's parts of that where I'm like, man, like this is, this is it. This is, this is the jam. But at the same time, like there's a craving in me to just want to sit with some people in my backyard and just hang out. Like I, like I, miss, I miss people. I, I, I miss what it feels like just to be in a crowd of people that, that would just and laugh together. Like, and I can feel how much I, I'm like feeling disconnected from people when I run into folks that I know in the store. I don't know if this has happened to you, but this last week I was in Target and I run into Caleb Ludrick. Shout out Caleb Ludrick. And, and like, I literally am so fired up. Like, I'm so pumped to see, to see Caleb. But at the same time, like, I didn't know what to do. Like, have you felt like there's friction with hello now? Like, are like, are like, are you a fist bump? Are you an elbow? Are you a foot tap? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you just across the way? What's up? You know, like, I mean, are we hugging? Are you a hug? I'm cool with hugging. Are you cool with hugging? You know, like, there's just like, hello is like so complicated now. But at the same time, like through all of the, like, I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, dude, you're my bro. Like, I'm so happy to see you. But can you tell I'm happy? Because I'm wearing a mask. You know, are you happy? I'm happy. You know, like it's through all of the chaos and confusion of our interaction at Target, I still felt like I had just shotgunned a Red Bull. You know, just the energy of seeing somebody, man. You know, it's just like shout out Sarah Chun for Red Bull in the house. Like, I, like I, I was just so pumped. I was like, Caleb. You know, I was with Tate, my son, and I was like, Tate, that was Caleb, bro. It's Caleb Ludrick, man. We know him. You know, like there's just this, there's a, are you feeling that we're all just a little relationally starved right now? Like, like we're just relationally starving. And, 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 and the, here's what's interesting about being relationally starving is that even though, look, I'm not going to lie. I know for a fact that some of you watching, you, you don't have deep friends. And you long for them. You, 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 you crave them. And you don't have them. But what isolation will show you is even just seeing people at work feeds a part of our soul. And we're missing that right now. It doesn't exist. You know, China is ahead of us in this whole pandemic thing. And as they've started to move forward and started kind of opening back up again, their economy was not the only thing that started to pick up across the country. No. So did their friction. Their divorce rate went through the roof. The reports coming out of China are that the divorce rates are up 25% from where they were last year. I read one article that said that the lines were so long to file for a divorce that the clerks didn't even have time to take a break to get a drink of water. I read an article in Bloomberg where the writer said, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, maybe the opposite is true as well. You know, I think what this shows us is that although this lockdown has made all of us a little relationally starved, it's also highlighted some friction in our relationships 
And some of our relationships might be starving as well. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We might be relationally starved, but some of our relationships are starving as well. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Matthew 14. And it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from their towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples then gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over, and the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Verse 13 says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. You know what happened? He had just heard that his cousin, his dear friend, John the Baptist, had been killed by King Herod and killed in the most horrible way. Matthew 14, 6 says this, On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herides danced for the guest and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oath and his dinner guest, he ordered that her request be granted. And John, he had John beheaded in prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who had carried it to her mother. And John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. So Jesus had just heard. When it said that he heard, what he heard was that John the Baptist was murdered in the most brutal way. And it was after he heard this news of what had been done to John, that he pulled away to be alone. Jesus was at the end of himself. He he needed to get some time away, some space, and, and to sort out what he was feeling, to pray and to process. But when he arrived to his solitary place, it was not solitary at all. You see, we encounter friction when what we experience is not what we expected. Can I say that again? 
We encounter friction when what we experience is not what we expected, all right? So let's get, let, let's get real. Most, if not all, of the disagreements that, that Liz and I have had in our marriage is some version of this. <laughs> from, from, from our most famous and now funny, can I emphasize, emphasize now? When our famous and now funny fights about, about how to load forks and knives in the dishwasher. I expected that Liz would know how to do it the way that I do it, right? My experience was that she didn't. Friction, right? Everything from, from fights like that, disagreements like that, all the way to, to, to what feels like at times daily and weekly misses between us. It really all revolves around when, we, when, when our experiences don't line up to our expectations, we will encounter friction, right? And undealt with friction begins to erode connection. Friction and connection are like opposite sides of a seesaw. As friction goes down, connection will go up. But as friction goes up, connection will go down. This is what happens when you go to bed angry. Anybody ever gone to bed angry, right, in all of any of our living rooms, right? Like you go to bed angry and you wake up more mad, more disconnected, right? A minor offense becomes a major offense when you sleep. Why? Undealt with friction leads to an erosion of connection, right? But, but when Jesus arrived to the shore full, full of expectation that he was going to get some alone time. Like his expectation was, man, I'm going to pull away. I'm going to sort out what's going on inside of me. I'm going to process what had just happened. I'm going to get the heart of God for what I need to do next. Like that was what his expectation was. But what he experienced was thousands of people had found out where he was going. And when he saw them, Jesus did not respond with friction, but he responded with compassion. It says in verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Hear me, compassion crushes friction. Compassion crushes friction and compassion leads to connection. If friction goes up and connection goes down, it's compassion that will lead us back into connection. And it's moments when we're experiences are not lining up with our expectation, right? It's compassion that's going to push us into one another. Compassion is not the same thing as grace, but, but compassion will lead us to grace. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were sinners, he saw with compassion. Christ died for us. He demonstrated grace to us. Compassion is connecting to the sorrow or pain of someone. And grace is the unmerited favor and love and kindness given to someone. You know, this became very real to me a few years ago when I was talking to a friend of mine uh, because it just seemed like Liz and I were stuck. 
And here's why we were stuck. It didn't matter what we were fighting about. didn't matter what was happening. didn't matter what the disagreement was. It seemed to be like in a matter of minutes, all I could think about was something that she did when we were engaged. I mean, we could be, we could be arguing about, I don't even know, <laughs> something silly, right? Oh, I thought you were going to put the clothes in the dryer. Oh, I thought you were going to, well, you didn't tell me that, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, or the classic is like, you put my shirts in the dryer. Well, I, you didn't tell me what shirts that you were, didn't want in the dryer, and they're not labeled, <laughs> you know? And so you have like this little, this little, and then all of a sudden, I'm like level 10, frustrated, and all I think about is, yeah, you remember that time, Liz, when we were engaged? You remember that time? And we decided that we weren't going to register for anything that we didn't need but you decided that you wanted to go ahead and register for China behind my back. Do you remember that? Like it, it's like no matter what we were fighting about, that's what I brought it to. No matter what. I mean, and, and I couldn't let it go. It got to the point where I was even annoyed with it. You know it's bad when you're annoyed with your point? I was like, man, I'm t- like, why can't I get over this? You know, like I had said, I forgive you. You know, like I'd been like, I, I forgive you for about the China, although we never use it. <laughs> it's in like a rubber bin in our garage. All right. So wise investment. I won. <laughs> but here's the deal. I had literally been like, I'm cool. Like, I forgive you. But you see, with the, the, I didn't have I didn't deal with the friction, though. There was still some undealt with friction that, was ex- that I was experiencing that was connected to this moment. And I'm talking to my friend in desperation. I'm like, dude, you got to help me, bro. Like, I don't want to be continually bringing up something that happened at this point like 10 years ago. I was like, I don't want, I don't want that. Like, I, I don't want to get frustrated at Liz for something that I know that she's sorry for. I know that she hates that she did it. I know that she would go back and do it different. I know all of that stuff, but I still, I, I still can't let go of the friction. And my buddy gave me the best advice. He said, it doesn't seem like you're demonstrating grace to Liz. And it hit me. I needed to stop trying to move past where I was offended, and I needed to start looking for grace in where I was offended. That's a good word. I'm going to amen myself. For all of you in your living room, people in the, in the house that tonight are not giving me any amens, I'm going to amen that moment myself. I'm going to say that again. When, when I, I stopped trying to just move past where I was offended and I started looking for grace in where I was offended. And what happened was I, I started for the first time to connect to how she felt about what had happened, right? And it, it led me to grace to let go of what happened, right? Because compassion crushes friction, and our prayer, when we're feeling some, some re-entry friction, is God, give me compassion. Because as, as friction pulls us away from each other, it's compassion that's going to lead us to connection Amen. with one another. Throughout Jesus' life, we see that everything that he did was actually bigger than what he actually did. And here's what I mean by that. 
behind all the signs and the wonders and miracles that he performed was a root system of deeper meaning and application. You see, when Jesus opened blind eyes, the power was not just in the miracle, but also in what the miracle demonstrated about the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this age, meaning the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. You see, sin blinds our minds. So when Jesus opened eyes in the physical, it was powerful, it was miraculous, but it was also a picture of what Jesus was doing in our hearts in the spirit. He was opening the eyes of our hearts and our minds to who he really is. And the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 was not just a miracle of food multiplying so that we would be like, wow, like, isn't that amazing? No, it tells us about who Jesus is and how the kingdom of heaven works. Because look, I don't think that how Jesus responded to what he experienced in relation to what he expected about being alone is separate from what he was wanting the disciples to see when he looked at them and he said in verse 16, you give them something to eat. And the disciples, right, looked at Jesus and they said, we don't have enough. And I think Jesus said exactly Don't worry about that. Just bring me what you have. Bringing what you have is always better than doing nothing because we don't feel like we have enough. Let me say that one more time. Bringing what we have is always better than doing nothing because we don't feel like we have enough. In our relationships, when the gap seems so big between us, right, undealt with Friction has pulled us further and further away from one another. And we can't allow the distance to keep us from just giving up on new connection between us. No, we need to give what we do have. Maybe it's just a little bit of grace. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just a, a little bit of compassion, but, but we have to give it. Because Jesus took what little they had, right? He took the five loaves and the the two fish and and he blessed it and then he gave it back to them. Hear me, when God gets on what you have, you have more than you see. When God gets on what you have, when God gets on what little you have, you have more than what you see. Look, I love this miracle because we don't quite see. We don't quite see how it happened. But when you read all the accounts, like this, this moment is in all four of the gospel accounts. And, and when you read all of them, here is the one thing that we do know for sure. That when they gave Jesus five loaves and two fish and he prayed for it, when he gave it back to them, it was five loaves and two fish. It's not like he prayed for it and then all of a sudden there's baskets of bread everywhere. Bread's falling from the sky like a machine gun. No, he prayed for it. And he gave them back what they gave him. They gave him little. He gave them back what seemed to be little. 
It says in verse 19, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples then gave them to the people. Okay? As they gave what they had to the people, what they had became what they needed. As the disciples gave what they had, what they had was transformed into what they needed. Look, I haven't looked at a crowd of 5,000 people and think like, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to feed all of these people, but I have looked at my kids at the end of a long day and had the thought, I don't know if I have anything left to give them. I have looked at my wife and felt the gap between us that, that, that seemed at moments to be so big that it felt like I couldn't see how what I had could close the distance between us. But the disciples were seeing what Jesus was experiencing when he was looking to pull away, right? He was looking to, to refuel, to, to get some alone time because he didn't feel like he had anything left. And when God gets on what little you have, it becomes more than you can see. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody needs to hear that if you give it, he will bless it. If you give it, he will bless it. If you bring it, he will grow it. If you lean into it, he will strengthen it. If you feel like you're on fumes, come with your fumes and he's going to multiply it. Because when, when what we expect is not what we experience, it doesn't have to lead to friction. No, no, no. No, it can lead us to compassion because in our weakness, he is made strong. Look, I believe that we are all experiencing some friction right now. Nobody is immune to friction. We don't need to feel hopeless about how little we feel like we have left to give to one another in these days. Because when Jesus gets on what you have, oh, I'm telling you, I'm here to preach. When Jesus gets on what little you have, you have more than what you see. Listen to me. As the disciples began to pass out what they had, they found out that, that what they had actually was all that they needed, right? The, the provision, it, it says that, that at the end, that they picked up 12 basketfuls of pieces. People said, hey, I want another one. They reached into their basket. I got another one. Somebody else says, I need two. They reached in their basket. They got two. Somebody else says, I'm hungry. And they're like, oh, they reached in their basket again. Boom, now you can be full because when Jesus gets on what little you have, it becomes more than enough than what you think that you need. Don't believe that you need to hold on to what little you have left thinking that I can't give anymore because if I give anymore there's not going to be anything left listen to me there's always enough there's always enough are you hearing me there's always enough over your marriage there's always enough over your kids there's always enough over your relationships there's always enough over your finances there's always enough over your job. There's always enough. Come on, somebody. There's always enough. Let me just pray. Oh, God of heaven, 
we are asking that right now you would take what little we have and that you would begin to breathe on it, God, that you would bless it. And God, that you would speak abundance over it. Lord, because we know that when we give what little we have, oh, it becomes more than enough than what we need. So I'm asking right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, we come with what little we have left. We come with what little compassion we have left. We come with what little grace we have left. And we say, Father of heaven, would you bless what we have and would you turn it in to what it needs to be in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen.